Thank you for tuning in to Living Life with Purpose, a ministry of Florida Bible Church in Miramar, Florida. At Florida Bible, we believe that life is preparation for eternity and hope this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. More information about Florida Bible can be found at www.floridabible.org. Amen. Boy, it's not only hot outside, it's hot inside. But I like the hot inside a lot more than I like the hot outside. How about you, eh? Great to have you here. I want to shake it up a little bit today. I want to talk a little bit about Christian chameleons. Now, I know that none of you have ever heard a sermon before entitled Christian Chameleons. Some of you might not even know what a chameleon is, so let me explain what that is. A chameleon is a member of the lizard family. And the chameleon has a unique ability to change its skin pigmentation to match its surroundings. When it's in kind of a, a, a forest area, it can turn green. When it's in kind of a rocky, sandy desert area, it can turn brown. And it can turn multiple colors to blend in with pretty much any situation it's in. Now, when you think about that, uh, op- that ability to blend in, let me ask you a question. Let's take a vote. How many of you believe that God wants us as Christians to just kind of blend in? Raise your hand. If you believe God wants us to just kind of blend in. All right, well, let me ask the opposite then. How many of you believe that as Christians, God doesn't want us just to blend in? Raise your hand. All right, now how many of you are just afraid to vote? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Well, let me tell you that no matter which way you vote it, you're right. You're right. Depending on your understanding of blending in. Now, for most of you who raised your hand for the second one said, no, God does not want us to blend in, you're probably thinking about passages like Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, where Jesus declares, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And I know that's what you were thinking about. You're saying, we are not supposed to just blend in. We're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be a shining direction beam for people. We're supposed to let them see our faith in Christ and how it has impacted us so that they know there's a different way to live life. And that's true. And from that way, you would certainly say that Christians should not be chameleons. But on the other hand, look what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 19, he says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave for everyone to win as many as possible. Look what he says. To the Jew, I become like a Jew. To those living under the law, I become like one living under the law. To those having no law, I'll become like one living who has no law. To the weak, I'll become weak. In other words, he says, I'll become a chameleon. I'll change the way I look. I'll change the way I operate. When I'm with this group, I'll enter their world. When I'm this group, I'll enter their world. Now, now who's right? Well, we got to go with Jesus, all right? He's the son of God. But wait a minute, the Holy Spirit inspired them both. See, all scripture is God-breathed. Even Jesus, when he was here on this earth as the Son of God, Jesus over and over again said, I don't teach my own things, I teach what the Father tells me to, to, to say through the Holy Spirit. 
Paul wrote this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So both are right. Well, how can that be? It's in our understanding of what that chameleon nature is to be. See, Paul really identifies it for us. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like those under the law to win those under the law. To those having no law, and he's speaking of the Gentiles there. They're not under the law of Moses. He says, I became like the Gentiles so that I could win the Gentiles. To the weak, I became weak so I could win them too. See, the difference is the purpose of blending in. A lot of believers want to be Christian chameleon and blend in with their surroundings so that nobody knows they're a believer. That's not what he's saying. See, that would be contrary to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, you are a light on a hillside. That's what God has made us. He's made us a light. He has made us a direction beam to eternity. And for us just to want to blend in at work and blend in in the neighborhood, see, and hide the fact that we're believers and that Christ has impacted us and changed us for all eternity is not being a Christian chameleon in a scriptural sense. On the other hand, what Paul's saying is that I will be sensitive. When I'm with this group of people, I'm going to be sensitive to their value system. I'm going to be sensual to their perspective on life. I'm going to be sensitive. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to get down with them on their level in their world. Not so that I can protect myself, but so that I can be a brighter light. See, it's not the idea of diminishing our light, but it's making our light more productive by getting along people and living in their world and understanding their perspective and their needs and their hurts and their insecurities and their passions and kind of blending in with that group to make myself effective in that group. See, Paul says it this way, to win as many as possible. He says, I become all things to all men so that by every possible means, I might save some. Paul understood what so many of us forget so often, that God's greatest passion for the Christian community, for the Christian church, is not to make us comfortable. You know, we have turned Christianity into a lot of things. Christianity becomes kind of our security box, and, and for a lot of us, we come to church once a week, and so we check that security box off and say, I did a God thing. I went to church this week. God, you saw I was there. I tolerated that guy's sermon again this week. <laughs> for some of us, it's a place to make us feel good because we go out in the world and we get beat up and we come in and we sing some exciting songs and we sing some meaningful songs and, 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 and that ministers to us. And so, so kind of the church and, and all that has become a place to help us to feel good. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what we can never forget is that the fundamental purpose 
of Christians living in this world is to win as many as we can to the kingdom of Christ. In 2 Peter 3.9, Peter writes this inspired again by the Holy Spirit. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, in its context, Peter is talking about the second coming of Christ. See, people have always been impatient with this whole idea that Jesus is coming again. And even in the first century, they were impatient. They were telling Peter, they were saying, ah, all that stuff about Jesus coming again, that's not going to happen. You guys have been saying that for all these years now. Jesus hasn't returned. And Peter said, no, wait a minute. Don't you misunderstand what's happening here. He's saying, God is not slow in keeping his promise to send Jesus Christ back in the way that we think about slowness. See, we are so time conscious. We want it all right now. We are a microwave society. And they were a microwave society. And everybody wants instant gratification. We want Jesus to come and just take us out of here for our comfort. But see, God understands that that day will come. But God understands that when that day comes and Jesus returns, that this day of grace and mercy that we are living in where we can freely accept Jesus Christ is our Savior, where we can freely respond to his sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He understands that that day will end when Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, the billions of people who are still living on planet Earth will be plunged immediately into a time that theologians have designated as the Great Tribulation Period, a period where the wrath of God will begin to pour out on mankind and upon sin, and upon the earth. And it just gets worse from there for those people because they're going to die, and they will go into a Christless eternity. They'll go into a hopeless eternity. Now, God's passion is that no man, no woman ever spends one second in that hopeless eternity. And so, therefore, he has held Jesus back day after day, year after year, century after century, so that everyone might have one more chance to respond to God's grace and receive eternal forgiveness of their sins. That, my brother, that, my sister, is our primary mission, and we should never forget that. We are here. We are members of the family of Christ in order to reach out and win as many as possible before that day comes. That's what a Christian chameleon is. Now, we do that more effectively when we don't embrace some kind of a haughty spirit about who we are in Christ, when we're not kind of poking folks in the chest saying, you better get your life right and, and God's wrath is coming and all that, even though that's true, we are much more effective. And that's what Paul's saying as a Christian chameleon. Not in our behavior, not in our morality, not in our integrity, but in shining our light. Getting down where people really live and being sensitive to who they are and what their needs are and not being a lighthouse that is immovable and just saying, well, here I am. I'm a believer. Look at me. If you want to talk about God, here's where I am. But rather 
going out to where they are. Paul says to the Jew, when I'm around the Jews, I'm going to be conscious of what is effective in reaching out to the Jews. And I'll become like them. And I'll honor their, their belief system. And I'll honor some of their ceremony. And I'll honor that. When I'm with the Gentiles who don't believe anything like that, then I'm going to be sensitive to where they're coming from in life. And even the weak people who no one else wants to be around, in that world especially, despised weakness in anybody. He said, I'll even be like them. when they're, I'll get with the poor. And I'll get with the outcasts. And I'll be like them. And live with them. And honor them. I have become all things. To all men. So that by all possible means. He says. I might save some. Now to what end is he willing to do that? Look what he says. He said. I'm so serious about this. That I will make myself a slave. To everyone. Now I understand. That's a strong word. That's a very emotional word. And we certainly kind of connect with that word according to the history of our country and the horrible season of slavery that existed here in the United States. We kind of understand slavery through this definition, a person held in servitude as the chattel, the property of another. And that's the image that we have in our mind. But there's another definition too. And that definition is one that is completely subservient to a dominating influence. And this is what Paul is speaking about here. See, slavery in biblical times was very common. And it wasn't imposed on one ethnic group alone. That's the way the world was. Not making it right. That's just how it was. In fact, in the Jewish community... It was quite common for a person to sell himself or herself into slavery in order to pay back a debt. It was very common in both the Hebrew world and the Gentile world during these times for parents to sell their children into slavery to pay back a debt. Or sometimes to give them a better chance at a quality life. As abstract as that is in our thinking. As foreign to our thinking as this, that's the way the world was. So what Paul's saying, he says, I'm willing to make myself a slave. I'm willing to completely be subservient to a dominating influence in my life. And what was that influence? First and foremost, it was Jesus Christ. It was the dominating influence of the necessity, of the urgency of getting the gospel to everybody who has never heard it. But then it was also... To the Jews and kind of being a chameleon with the Jews and blending in to the point that he is sensitive to them without compromising the message of Christ. To the Gentiles, the same thing. To those despised, he was going to get together. He wasn't going to be above any of them. That's where the Corinthians were. They had embraced this kind of spirit in their church that they were the most spiritually mature people living on planet earth and everybody else was less lesser than they were. And so Paul is arguing against that point. Now here's what the real message is in this passage. We are called by Christ to get out of our comfort cocoons and intentionally enter the personal world of unbelievers. Now, not the cultural world of unbelievers, not the behavioral world of unbelievers, but the personal world of unbelievers. See, we like to be in our cocoon and 
We really kind of are attracted sometimes to that idea of being a Christian chameleon in the sense that we just blend in and nobody really knows we're a Christian at work. Nobody really knows we're a Christian in the neighborhood. Nobody really knows that we're a Christian in the school. We're just kind of there and we're not making waves. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And that's not the kind of Christian chameleon that Paul is talking about. Rather, he's talking about those who will get out of their comfort zone. I don't particularly like fishing. A lot of you are avid fisher people. My idea of a great afternoon is not to stand out in the heat and throw a rod and reel in the water and waiting for some fish to bite. Now, I'll do the same thing, chase a little white ball around a green pasture, but and some of you are saying, that's crazy. But you know what? What I'm saying is that maybe the Lord would bring me into the life of somebody whose passion was fishing. And I'd get out of my comfort zone and stand at one of those canals. Probably hating most every minute of it. Thinking, what am I doing here? But that's an opportunity to get into that man's world. That's an opportunity to establish trust. See, God's passion, and we must never forget this, God's passion for his children is that we share our story. Because he's not willing that any perish, but that everyone come to repentance. But the challenge is, is that people who are unbelievers and strangers in our world, they're not open to our story. There's no reason for them to listen to our story until we do what Paul has said. Until I became like a Jew to the Jews. I became like a Gentile to the Gentiles. I became like the weak to those weak. Why? To win as many as lost. See, until I build a bridge of friendship with the Jews, until I build a bridge of friendship with the Greeks, until I build a bridge of friendship with the weak and the poor and the outcast, I'll never have power to share the story of how Jesus Christ has radically changed me for all eternity. But that takes getting out of our comfort zone. That takes getting out of the cocoon. But you know, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus got out of the comfort cocoon of heaven. And he was born and exchanged a throne for a manger. And he came down here to live in sin and squalor. He traded it. Why? To be a servant. To by all possible means reach everyone he could with the saving grace of eternal forgiveness. We are called Christians. And the term literally means those who are Christ-like. This is our model. Paul says, I have become all things to all men so that all possible means I might save some. Now that's important for every individual. That's our call. 
but it's also important for institutions and specifically the church. We all have to be willing to get down in the dirt where people really live and love them where they live and be sensitive to where they live so that we can build friendship and trust that will ultimately open the door for us to share the story. But we also have to do that as a church, folks. Problem is we can't do that as a church until we're doing it individually. Because as long as we're still kind of living in our cocoon and, and we even come to church and we want my song to be sung and I want my chair to be open and I want the message to be this long and I want the church to look like this and all that. See, we, we, we'll stay in our comfort cocoon. And whenever that happens, we're leaving folks out by the thousands. Pastor Bob, our membership pastor, did a, a research survey on his own. He just shared it to me, and it was shocking to me. And he said the median age of Florida Bible Church is 46 years old. That's the average age of people who attend here, 46 years old. You know what that means? That translates to mean we're a dying church. We're all singing kumbaya, and we're in our comfort zone. And we'll sing Kumbaya until we go home to be with the Lord. But if we don't start embracing this philosophy, if we don't start embracing this strategy, then this church will die. A lot of happy people will go to heaven. But a lot more people will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to join me, to join our pastoral staff in first individually praying to God and here is our assignment for this week. This is what I'm calling every one of us to do, myself and every one of you, to pray to God and ask us to reveal some person that he wants us to get in the dirt with, some person that he wants us to come down and be with, get out of our comfort zone and reach out to that person could be somebody at work, could be somebody in your family, could be somebody in the neighborhood. But God, pray. God, show me how to be Jewish with this Jewish person, how to be Gentile with this Gentile person, how to be a fisherman with this fisherman, how to be a golfer with this person, how, how to knit with this person, how to do whatever. Help me to get down to where they live and build a bridge of friendship so that you can open a door for me to share the story. And then I'm going to invite you, church, to be sensitive to what we're trying to do as a church, that we're trying to create a place where people from multiple generations feel comfortable in being able to come and invite people who they know to an environment of worship that they know that person will respond to. We're working this, and I've got a lot more to say about it in the weeks to come. But we need to be a church who is willing to sacrifice our comfort level, our individual preferences, so that by all means, we can reach as many people as possible for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. John six twenty seven. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. I don't need to be working for things that please me, for things that make my life easier. 
I need to work and I need to seek food that has eternal value. To do that, I've got to get out of the comfort cocoon. Let's bow our heads. How about you? Are you living in the comfort cocoon? We sing songs, it's all about you, Lord, but really, is it all about me? Is it all about my preference? Is it all about my desire? Is it all about my comfort? Is it all about my preferences? I'm going to invite you to join me and pray right now to the Lord, God, get me out of that cocoon. Lord, help me. Show me someone this week that I can get next to and just bombard them with questions about them and not me. Not share with them my preference and my thoughts and my strategy, but learn from them where they're at so that I can become a friend to them. That's what a Christian is. That's what a church does. And that's who we need to be. Well, believers are making that covenant with the Lord. I want to reach out to maybe anybody here today who's still not a believer. Now, you might believe there is a God. You might believe that the Bible is the Bible. But have you believed that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Have you transferred your confidence off of yourself and your own goodness as a person? See, so many people believe that they're going to live a good enough life that God's going to welcome them into heaven just because they're pretty decent people. Can I lovingly and honestly declare to you today that that's not going to get you to heaven? Billy Graham's probably one of the greatest men of God that has lived in our generation. But all those sermons, all those crusades are not going to get him into heaven. Mother Teresa was a wonderful example to the world of somebody who sacrificed their own personal comfort to reach out to those who were impoverished and those who lived the most horrible life existence anyone could ever live. But all those hours in Calcutta, nestling all those people dying in the streets would not get her to heaven. There's only one way, and that's through what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through my sacrifice. Have you ever received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Well, every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Have you trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin? If not, the Holy Spirit, I know, is knocking on the door of your conscience right now. And he's saying, you need this forgiveness. I brought you here to receive this forgiveness today. Well, no one's looking around, but you'd like me to pray with you. And I won't embarrass you. Just raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need this forgiveness. Yes, sir, you can put your hand down. Yes, yes, you can put your hands down on the side. Anyone else? I need this forgiveness. 
Right now, God is bearing witness with my spirit. I need this. Yes, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? So we wait just a moment. Anyone else? Yes, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Right now, trust Christ. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, don't harden your heart against the Holy Spirit's voice. Today, right now, is the day of salvation. God brought you here to give it to you. And that's all that you can do is receive it. And you receive it through faith. And we express that faith to God in just asking him for the gift. Right now, pray something like this. God, I need your forgiveness. I want your forgiveness. I get it now. I'm never going to be good enough to go to heaven. That's why you sent Jesus. Jesus was perfect. And because Jesus was perfect, he was a worthy sacrifice on the cross for sin. And because Jesus, who was the only one who has ever lived that was worthy to die for sin. And because Jesus was willing to do that, God, you have given Jesus the authority to forgive sin and only him. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to do that work in my life today. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, pay my sin debt with your blood. Today, I call upon the name of the Son of God for eternal life. Jesus, be my Savior. Now, for anyone who humbled yourself before the cross and did that right now, the Bible declares to you, in John 1.12, yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Father, we love you and we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for your challenge, God. We thankful that, that, God, you have called us to a higher calling than any of us would have ever chosen of ourselves. Now, Father, make us a people of humility. Make us a people of compassion. Make us a people who are not passionate about our way being the way that it's done and our perspective being embraced and our pleasure and our needs being met. But, Father, help us to be a people who are passionate like Paul so that when we're with the Jews, we became like a Jew. When we're with the Gentiles, we're like a Gentile. When we're with the weak, we're like the weak or whoever you bring us to, God. We want to reach down to them in love and build friendships with them so that we will have the chance to share the story of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for every man and every woman. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you trust that Jesus Christ this morning, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. In that connection card that's in your bulletin, that perforated piece of paper, there's a, on the bottom, there's two boxes that you can check. First box says, I trust that Christ is my Savior. Second box says, I rededicated myself to Christ. If you trust that Christ today, check that first box for us. Make sure all that information is accurate on that connection sheet. Here's what we're going to do with it. We are going to pray for you as a pastoral staff, and we're going to thank God for what happened in your life today. We're going to thank God that he has given you forgiveness like he has given us forgiveness and that you are now a member of his family. Now, it doesn't make you a member of our church. Don't worry about that. Some of you are a little skittish. It just makes you a member of the family of God, something a lot more important than church membership. And also, we're going to send you a little booklet in the mail entitled, You Can Be Sure. And it's a little booklet that will further help you understand what Jesus Christ just did for you. He has radically changed you. I guarantee you, if you trust that Jesus Christ is your Savior today, you are not the same man. You are not the same woman who walked through those doors. You are leaving a new creation in Christ.
That's biblical. That's God's promise. We want to celebrate with that, that with you. So if you will take that, make sure it's all filled out. And what you can do is any of the offering boxes as you leave the church at any of the exits, they're a tall, dark, rectangular building with a really uh, colorful poster on the front. Just put it in there. And we'll make sure you get that material. Now, our ushers are going to come forward, and we're going to get ready to not receive our offering. I said, Pete, you're getting really weird. Christian chameleons and getting ready not to take our offering. You're really getting strange in your old age. Well, that's true. But last week, we had our State of the Church address. And if you weren't here, I want to just give you a real short summary of what we, what we did. We talked about the financial state of our ministry. And our fiscal year here at Florida Bible Church starts on July 1st, and it goes through June 30th. We do that in order to, to be on the same accounting uh, schedule as we are with Florida Bible Christian School. And so we just started a new fiscal year. And we shared last year that we were short $132,000 of making our budget last year. And then we also shared that this year, we actually need an additional $33,000 to make our budget. Now, that's with, with no salary increases. Nobody's getting a salary increase. This is the second year in a row that the entire staff has not gotten a salary increase. Several of us have not received salary increases for several years before that. So this is not about anybody making more money. This is about just keeping the doors and the lights open and, and being able to do ministry and, and do the work of the Lord. Now, here's what we decided. We decided two things. Number one, that if everyone who claims this church as your church will give $5 more per week than you gave last year, then we can easily make our budget and surpass it. $5 more per week. That's trading that Taco Bell five-buck box. And I love the five-buck box. I really do. But that's trading that, or that venti cappuccino at Starbucks once a week. Are the $5 foot long just once a week, trading that pleasure to win a soul for Jesus, for the kingdom of God. Every one of us. Now, we also learned that in the past year, only 25% of our congregation supported this ministry, 89%. We've got to get the other 75% involved. If we all do our little part, then we can do great things for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to invite you to give. Now, here's also what we're trying to do is that notice that we have at all the exits, entrances, we have offering boxes. Now, what we're wanting to do is transition from actually taking an offering to everybody just coming in and put your offering in. And the reason we want to do that is so that we can continue uninterrupted with the spirit of worship and the spirit of celebration, the spirit of Christ, without having to pass offering plates except on special occasions for special offerings. So we want to get you in the practice of just coming in and putting your offering in the box. So we're going to pass the offering plates, and if someone wants to put an offering in, you may. But I'm going to encourage most of you not to. I'm going to encourage you instead to put it in a box, just so we get in the habit of that now. And we start changing. And once we start receiving our offering that way, and nothing's really coming in the plates anymore, not that their offering has gone down, it's gone up, but we're using the boxes then we can end our worship services with, with more worship and more singing and more praise and a testimony and, 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 and things that really, really just move our hearts and move the hearts of especially guests who come to be with us. So if we do that together, 
we'll have a great victory. So having said that, Father, we just pray that you receive our offerings that we give to you. And Lord, may we each get the spirit of supporting this local church so that we can, in an uncompromising way, get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to everyone in our community and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and not receive the offering. <laughs> now, as we do that, I want to remind you that next weekend we're beginning our new series, Face Off with Fear. Now, once again, we have some more of these cards in the lobby. These are invitation cards. They're real small. You can put them in your pocket. They, they talk about the series, and on the back, they give our location, our web address, and all the pertinent information, service times about our church. I'm going to encourage you, and I've been really excited because a lot of people have been telling me about what they've done with these cards this past week. We had them out last weekend. And, and the great reception that they've received giving these to people. And others have just kind of put them out in strategic places. But however, I'm going to encourage you to take a card with you today or a couple cards and, and just invite people to come. You know, people are living in fear today. They really are. People are afraid. And, and that fear can have a paralyzing influence in people's lives. It can absolutely wreck them. And we're going to learn all about that. We're going to face off with fear. You know, during World War II, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president of the United States, got on the air and he declared to the people of America, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, God had already up one up that one. He said, right, just two words. He says, fear not. And we're going to learn how to make that practical in our lives. So you invite somebody to come with you. Great opportunity. Get these out. Come back next week and we'll start facing off with fear and not let it have a negative influence in our life. Thanks for listening. Here at Florida Bible Church, we believe the first and most important step in life's journey is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question is, how about you? If you haven't started this relationship, you can use this model prayer. Jesus, I do want to begin a relationship with you. I know that I have sinned against you and cannot save myself. So right now, I ask for your forgiveness of all my sins, and I accept you as my personal Savior, believing that you died on the cross and paid for all my sins. Forgive me now, and please give to me your precious gift of eternal life. Amen. You can find this prayer along with more detailed information on our website at www.floridabible.org. Just click the beginning a relationship with Jesus button. There you will also learn more about us and find the next steps for a Christ follower. Thanks again for listening to Living Life with Purpose.